This is episode 260 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are, How the SHTF in Bosnia, Selco Ask Americans, Does This Sound Familiar? And EMP in Your Electronics. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, welcome to episode 260, and just want to remind you, if you're not subscribed, make sure that you do that in iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast network, and you can make sure that you never miss another episode of the Prepper Website Podcast. Hey, just a quick reminder that every Thursday night, At 8 o'clock Central Standard Time, I go live on Facebook with my favorite article of the week. And so that is uh, from the podcast from the week before. Uh, I'll pick an article that I really enjoyed reading. And it's really hard because I enjoy reading all of them. And I kind of handpicked them already from Prepper Website. So it's it's kind of a hard decision sometimes. But then I use that and I bounce that off and just kind of just talk, you know, usually give some commentary more than uh, I might have done it when I read the article on the podcast. And so, so I'll welcome you to come join us on the Facebook page. And I have that link in uh, the show notes and you can come check us out. Again, that's 8 o'clock Central Standard Time on, uh, on Facebook, on Facebook Live. Hey, I also released the, uh, the weekly Watchmen and current events if you're interested in Bible prophecy and sometimes just current events that aren't really discussed in uh in the mainstream media and uh you know you'll have to be in alternative news and and really looking for those types of types of things uh i'll say that this week jd farag's video was really great and uh, john haller's video was really good and then if you are uh, a believer uh, you might want to look at amir safadi's video and it's uh basically he was preaching at a church in uh, the philippines i believe it was and I, I, I thought that was really good. So you might be interested in taking uh, a look at that. And don't forget, if you are in the need of a flashlight, um, you know, I've been talking a little bit about that. Survival Hacks contacted me with a coupon code and you get uh, the flashlight uh, for $9.99. Uh, that comes with the rechargeable battery and the charger. And I think that's just a great deal. Uh, you can recharge that battery many, many, many times. And uh, the light, it's a thousand lumen uh, light and so I just it's like I said it's one of my favorites and so uh, you owe it to yourself to kind of go check it out and see if that might be something you want to uh, want to do. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our articles for the podcast. Our first one, like I said, comes to us from theorganicprepper.com and the title is "How the SHTF in Bosnia Selco Ask Americans Does This Sound Familiar?" So Daisy has been doing some a series of articles with Selco. And uh, he, uh, or I guess she's been, you know, asking, you know, questions around different topics and things like that. And then she's, uh, you know, she's interviewing him and then putting them down in an article. And I think just a lot of great information. I've been following Selko for a while. Uh, he has his own website. And uh, his, you know, if you haven't gone to that, and we link to his articles on Prepper website. And I've even read them here before as well because I've received permission to do that. Uh, he he blogs at shtfschool.com, uh, and he has a little bit of help over there to, to do that. 
But, uh, you know, if you're interested in going and reading some of his older articles, you can do that. Uh, but Daisy's doing a great job of, of pulling a lot of information out uh, here for, for us, uh, for her readers, and also for, uh, you know, listeners here on the podcast. So let's go ahead and read this one. Hey, I'm going to remind you, you know, normally when I read articles, I try to, like, correct anything on the fly. When I read Selko or his, uh, you know, the way that he says things, I, I don't just because it, it uh, you know, well, first of all, you know, English is in his first language. And it kind of gives that feel that someone who is not an American is is speaking, right? So uh, just FYI, if uh, if you hear some some things that just don't seem correct, like correct grammar uh, out there. So let's go ahead and start. I was recently emailing back and forth with Selko, and we were discussing the situation in the U.S. right now with the political polarization, the rage, and the general cognitive dissonance. I asked him if he saw any similarities between our situation and the one in Bosnia when the SHTF there during the war. When he replied, I knew I had to share this information with you. While we might like to think it could never happen here, the current events here are eerily similar to what happened there in the 1990s. When you read this, think about recent events. The anger about immigration, the destruction of Civil War monuments, the unease between the races, the deep rage about the recent presidential election, the scorn and derision for neighbors who think differently, the way the media fans the flames of dissent between our fellow Americans. You'll realize that it definitely can happen to us, and there's not one darn thing we can do except to be prepared. So here are the, here's a question, so I'll always uh, preface uh, when I read it uh, that it is a question from Daisy. What parallels do you see with events in the U.S. and Bosnia before the SHTF? U.S. and Yugoslavia in 1990, on first look, do not have anything in common because people are going to say the USA cannot have anything similar to any socialistic system. This is true, but only on first look. Yugoslavia had somewhere around 20 to 22 million citizens, six republics similar to states in the U.S., three to four main religions, and many national groups or ethnicities. The official state policy was to build Yugoslavian nationality from the end of World War I and through different ways that effort was successful until the 90s. We were something big united through differences with a strong connection to make something big. And then those differences were used to make chaos. In the late 80s and beginning of the 90s when democracy came, the problem started and ended up in series of wars and cases of complete collapse. Things that I experienced in my case prior to SHTF and things that you might recognize. Things that make differences between people are more and more problematic, like race, religion, political opinion. Polarization is getting obviously stronger. People want to come to your country, but they do not want to assimilate or contribute to greater good. They want to preserve their way of life, which is often absolutely contradictory to the way that your country or society works. The political way of solving those problems often fails because, in essence, those problems are hard to solve in a democratic way or in the spirit of democracy. Your freedoms are shrinking as a result of that. Calls for radical solutions for the problems are stronger and stronger. The media is absolutely working a dirty job and it is hard to find out what is the truth anymore. Suddenly, 
people and events from history are brought back so people can judge and argue about it to write history again to build myths sometimes. So another question. Can you explain how the current political polarization could make matters worse when the SHTF? Strong polarization eventually brings fear and hate towards others and once you get into that state of hate and fear, it is very easy to be manipulated even though prior or later it looks weird and funny how easily you were brought into that state. I remember the exact moment roughly 25 years ago when I was brought in discussion and actually rioting over the statue of a general from World War II which was about to be destroyed because for some people he was a war criminal and for others he was a hero and important political figure. It was a big event and people were brought into that event in big numbers, arguing and fist fighting and rioting. At the same time, the wheels of big events were actually already starting to move and if I were smart, I would have left the country or bought a weapon instead fighting over a historical figure. Does this sound familiar? It was only one event that was used in order to polarize people more, us and them. It is so easy to manipulate people when you throw hate and fear in the game. Polarization makes things worse when SHTF because it is easier to dehumanize others that are different than you. Through the fear and hate, groups are pushed to do whatever the people in power want them to do, even if that means horrible crimes. Remember, once some group of people, religion, political, regional, race, is dehumanized, for example, through smart media work, the rules are changing and everything is possible. For example, with careful media work even today, in time of the internet, social networks, and independent information, it is possible to make the prepper movement look like a terroristic and anarchist movement and then it's open season on preppers. Another question. Did political disagreements go away when it hit the fan or did they intensify? In essence, yes. They went away because it all went to how much food, ammo, or whatever resources you had. You realize that big opinions simply do not matter, especially ones when you realize that all was somehow planned, and especially once when you realize how foolish you were because you trusted some things. But of course, rage was fed with again fear and hate for others. It is like that story about how they tried to explain to a conscript, someone who was drafted into the military, what is war all about? Higher causes and honor and everything else, and he simply could not get it. Then later, in the middle of a fight, he suddenly understands everything and yells, Oh, I understand now. They are trying to kill me. When you strip everything down to the bare facts, he was right. Next question. How does it move from political arguments to one day? It has all hit the fan and everything has changed. Is there something predictable we could look for? Again, it is about dehumanizing no matter who or what group. It is about adopting opinions like they are so different that they do not deserve to live here or to have rights. Once that happens, a whole new set of rules jumps in and those rules mean that lots of your liberties and rights are going to be taken too. And that is the problem actually. When that happens, you will understand that it is not really important who is who. The only thing important is that somehow you do not have your rights anymore. For example, the right to carry a firearm. And then you are in the poop. You can be so mesmerized with important political events 
or something else that you might not even notice that you are suddenly not allowed to grow your own food or have a solar panel on the roof or carry a pistol. You might say now it is impossible in the U.S., but I think in this moment it is bigger news than if some reality show star had spicy video than to understand how food delivery in your, in your city works and how much food is on average store if everything stops moving. Yes, it is possible. Which events in the U.S. I'm sorry, this is the next question. Which events in the U.S. have you seen that made you immediately flash back to your situation? I do not follow politics too deeply even in my country, not to mention politics in the U.S., but I do follow in people's reaction to political events. By that, you can sense where the majority of people opinions go and what you can expect from that. Maybe a year ago, I did comment through an article on some event in the U.S., and I got an excellent comment from one of my readers who said, quote, My nation, America, is being abruptly dragged out of a deep and prolonged state of subconscious anxiety and depression. It is being assaulted with hope, and this is beginning to produce a state of relief which will be managed into uncritical nationalism, if at all possible. This euphoric state of national mind is the perfect cover from which to ambush a nation. The pressing for a one-world government did not die under Trump. It simply got a new face. The danger to America and to other nations of the world is more real now than ever. Extreme sobriety is warranted at this time. Most people I have spoken with cannot see this." Hope in something new and something better was exactly what I was experiencing just prior to SHTF. New leaders, new new democracy, freedom. It clouded my perception. I trusted too much. Next question. What suggestions, if any, do you have to help us to better be prepared for political upheaval? As always, operate in small circles. Your family, prepper groups, network of friends. Learn useful skills. Meet good and interesting people in prepper terms. That small circle is what it is all about and what is important when SHTF. Sorry, but your political opinion and worries about state policies are worthless and cannot change anything big. It is the big circle and it is important only in terms of looking and recognizing signs of future events. So you may recognize the correct movement for bugging out, for example. Do not be pulled into general fear and hate because it clouds your judgment and it simply wastes your time. Do not be pulled into it. Next question. Do people start to realize that their opinion means nothing in politics or do they still hang on to their illusions even after it all goes sideways? Illusions were the first victims when SHTF. Here are a few of many. Quote, There are police, this cannot happen. There is law. This is against the law. End quote. Actually, the police are police when the system works. When it does not work, the police are just a bunch of trained people with weapons, and it is completely up to them what they are going to do. Quote, I have rights. End quote. Yes, when there is a system and law to protect those rights. If you want to have rights when SHTF, you have to be ready to protect them. Quote, I have gun and lot of ammo. I will firmly stand my ground, end quote. Good luck with that. There is a huge number of people already organized in violent groups, ready and skilled in violence, who wait for the system to collapse to jump in. People with more guns, more ammo, more skills than you, and less morals and ethics. 
you need to lower your expectations. Quote, this kind of chaos cannot happen here in the U.S. We have the best political system in the world, end quote. This is my favorite, actually, because in my case, the S or the poop did hit the fan. For some period of time, I was repeating this to myself and even more something like, this can happen only in some country in Africa, not here. Somebody going to stop this. It can happen, and actually, it would be very bad because fall is going to be bigger. It is going to hurt much more, and people are going to be shocked much more. Next question. Anything else? I have seen many people killed, a lot of women and children too, civilians. A huge number of people suffered, were hungry and cold, and were terrified through that period. But I cannot count on one hand the dead or hungry politicians in that time. Things were good for them through that period. Some of them ended up even richer. A lot of them are still powerful in the same or different parties and are still talking about their people or causes or fear from others. It is the way it works. Wow. So you can see that there are a lot of similarities there. Now, of course, when you, know, when you read this kind of uh, article, you want to go down to the comment section and you want to see, you know, are any, is anybody commenting on this? And people are like, um, you know, if another civil war starts, you will not know who's on your side, uh, on your side or their side. You will not be able to trust anyone. You will be on your own. Uh, see, that's not the one I wanted. Uh, you know, someone was talking about here, like Yugoslavia was held together by the Iron Fist of Tito. And basically they're saying that, you know, this kind of stuff wouldn't have happened here. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if you, uh, and I can't remember if I read it here. Um, not too long ago, there was, um, there's a guy that I follow on Facebook and there's times he posts a lot of political things and he's conservative and, and, uh, so sometimes he gets put in Facebook jail and so, you know, he, get, he doesn't get to, uh, uh, post or whatever, you know, in any of his groups and things like that. And so, uh, but not too long ago, he posted what Civil War 2.0 would be. And he, so he kind of war-gamed it. And uh, I thought that was really good. And I was like, uh, I think his, his name is Drew. And I'm like, hey, do you, um, uh, do you have a website where you're posting this? Because I wanted to link to it because I thought it was really good. And he said he didn't. He just posted on Facebook, which, again, is one of those things that I always talk about is you're depending on Facebook to get information out there. And so you've created all this good stuff that people can read. And then if Facebook decides to say, oh, you know what, you're too conservative, you're too religious, you're too this, you're too that, uh, you know, we don't, we're not, we're not going to let you continue to use our platform to push your, uh, you know, your views. And so they shut you down. And so you don't, you know, all that work that you did is just, you know, there in Facebook jail somewhere and no one ever sees it again. And so I asked him if I could copy it and paste it and, you know, attribute it to him on my website. And let me tell you, I think I, I uh, titled it uh, what Civil War 2.0 would look like. And maybe a lot of you have already read that. Uh, I think I referred to it in, before, you know, back in the day. And uh, man, that sucker has been shared a lot, probably more than any other article uh, that I've ever uh, had on Ed That Matters. And, uh, you know, he, he wargamed how easy it would be to to have civil war along those lines. I know Martin Armstrong, one of the you know one of those uh, economists that I talk about, uh, you know, on a regular basis, has mentioned that you know America will break up into the future. I think it's like twenty thirty, a little bit further down the road. Um, when you look at you know, I mentioned those prophecy updates. One of the things that John Haller 
had talked about and even J.D. Farag talked about is is there are things going on like the, the Munich Convention or whatever conference and people are talking about war. They're not talking about it here because here in America, the media will only tell you what they want you to know. But over in, you know, in Europe and over in the Middle East, people are starting to brace for war. I mean, they're, they're realizing that the end of where we're going, that things are so crazy, that the end is going to be war. And so it, it is very easy to go down those hills, go, go down that slope, right? It's a slippery slope, and then one event can start to lead to another and, and take you down that road. And so I think it's very irresponsible to just say this would never happen here in America. I think we need to always, and you always say, stay prepped and aware. You're always paying attention to what's going on. And you've seen some craziness happen. You know, we've seen riots happen and things like that. And it might not happen all over the country. It might happen in, in certain parts of it, but it can affect, you know, it can have this, uh, this ripple effect that goes into, you know, uh, a bunch of other things. And uh, definitely, you know, the things that he talked about, your freedoms kind of be taken, kind of uh, being taken away, right? Or uh, under the, the guise of, hey, this is, we're, we're doing this to make it safer for everyone, but they're really taking away your, your rights. You know, the, the, whole, the whole gun control thing is like, hey, we're making it safer for everyone, so uh, we're, we're putting these limits, we're putting these things in place, you know, and I'm like, God, you know, that's, that's how it starts. They're not going to say, hey, we'd like to take away your Second Amendment right. They're going to say, oh, no, we want to make it safe for everyone, right? Or, you know, they're, they're going to make it seem like it is, you know, the, the thing that we need. Or if you don't, uh, you know, if you don't do this, if they don't do this, that, you know, all civilization is going to come to an end. And that's how your rights start get to, to become eroded. And you go back to you know the Patriot Act and, and those kinds of things, you know, all those kinds of things that you know the NDAA. You know, we haven't heard too much of the much of that. Uh, I, I can't even remember if that's been renewed or not. But uh, and I mean I don't I don't ever recall hearing that it was uh, that it wasn't uh, that it's not in effect. But basically, they can put you in. They can hold you without giving you a reason, you know, without, you know, hold you against your, any rights that you feel you have as an American, because they think, you know, all they got to say is that they think you're a terroristic threat and, uh, you know, go from there. And so they put that in place saying that they're going to use that, you know, uh, against terrorists. But how easily could that be to turn on, you know, your average American citizen? Um, Martin Armstrong actually talks a lot about that because the government did that to him, uh, wanting to hold uh, him kind of uh, in contempt because they wanted to have his uh, computer program and he wasn't going to relinquish it. And uh, there's a long story about that. You might want to go. Uh, you might want to go research that one. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go into that one. But it it winds up. Uh, it, you know, at 9/11 with the, the you know the World Trade Center building number seven. So uh, you can go, you can go check that one out. And uh, he's not one of those conspiracy theory guys either. So a very interesting story when you look into it. All right, so that's uh, over at theorganicprepper.com. Daisy Luther's appreciate Daisy and all the work that she's doing and bringing us, you know, information. It's one thing, you know, we're getting information that's helpful here just in preparedness, but hearing the stories of of people like Selko from Bosnia and and the war that went on there. And then uh, I know, you know, she's got the, 
Uh, I, I believe his name is Jose from Venezuela that's you know providing some information and articles as well. Uh, I think those are it's always helpful to, to get people's perspective on what's going on you know in real life scenarios. So go check those out. Uh, there's links here and especially if you if you've ever missed any of the Selco articles, she's linked to them all here and then also to Selco's uh, to blog. So that you can go and uh, a lot of good stuff over there. So uh, like I said, I link to them in the show notes. So you can easily get there. Our next article comes to us from a new website. Actually, I haven't read one from this one yet. It's called twowayradiotalk.com. And uh, we link to an article called EMP and your electronics. And uh, so I wanted to read this one. I think it's uh, interesting here. Uh, I think it's always interesting to have this kind of information. Um, when we hear about EMP, we just imagine, okay, that's it. We go back to the dark ages and, and that's it. And this article has a little bit uh, different take on that. So, uh, you know, let's go ahead and read this one and learn about EMP and our electronics. As we all know, the world we live in is filled with dangers. Trying to determine which ones we should concern ourselves with is one of the big challenges of life. Each of us sees that differently, with some people going to the extreme of being afraid of everything, while others just ignore it all. But most of us fall somewhere in between. When I was growing up, the big threat was thermonuclear war with the now-defunct Soviet Union. That threat has been largely eliminated, but now we find ourselves in a new Cold War with North Korea. While the balance of force is strongly on our side, there is one way in which Kim Jong-un might win that war. That is, to use his nuclear-tipped ICBMs for an EMP attack on the United States of America. EMP, or electromagnetic pulse, is something that was first discovered during the Manhattan Project when the world's first nuclear bomb was exploded. But at that time, electronics were primitive, so there really wasn't much concern about their likely effect of an EMP. It wasn't until the Starfish Prime experiment in 1962 that we started getting any idea of weaponizing a high-altitude nuclear explosion and the EMP created by that explosion. The result of that test was that in the later years of the Cold War, a small percentage of our nation's nuclear arsenal was fused and programmed for high-altitude explosions over Russia for the purpose of disrupting their communications should nuclear war ever happen. Today, we face the risk of an EMP being used against us. Both North Korea and Iran are actively pursuing the technology necessary to hit the United States with a nuclear-tipped missile. I'm sure that ISIS would love to get their hands on a nuclear-tipped missile for the same purpose, but it would actually be smarter for them to fuse those missiles for a high-altitude burst over central Kansas. That way, the EMP from the blast would have a nationwide effect. Put simply, EMP destroys electronics. There are actually four phases of an EMP pulse, or four separate pulses. Each affects different types of electronics. Of these, the fourth one is the most dangerous, as it interacts with the Earth's electromagnetic flux, causing a huge energy spike in the electrical lines. So what will be destroyed, and what will survive? The question of what will be destroyed in an EMP is one that receives considerable attention. The most common thinking is that everything electronic will be destroyed. That includes the electrical grid, cars, airplanes, both use computers extensively, all forms of communications, and anything else you can think of that uses electricity. However, old tube-type radios will survive. There are two basic ways in which electronics will be destroyed by an EMP. The first is by direct electromechanical radiation. 
This will enter electronic devices, frying the delicate circuitry. As electronics have become more computerized and more miniaturized, they have actually become more susceptible to this sort of EMP damage. However, some electronic devices like cell phones are small enough that they may not absorb enough EMP radiation to destroy them. On the other hand, desktop computers and entertainment centers have a network of copper cables attached to them. Those cables will act as antennas, attracting and absorbing the EMP and channeling it into the delicate electronics where it will destroy them. The second major way the EMP will destroy electronics is through a very rapid and massive electrical surge in our power lines. This will be big enough and fast enough that normal surge protectors will be useless. It will hit everything that's connected to power lines, destroying delicate electronic devices. Between these two methods of destruction, there is little that we can expect to see survive. However, while it is probably prudent to plan for everything being destroyed, chances are that some things will survive. Allow me to enumerate a few. Cars. While modern cars are controlled by electronics, those electronics are underneath the car's hood, which is usually made of metal. In fact, the majority of the car's body is usually metal except the bumpers. That makes it a nearly perfect Faraday cage. More on this in a moment. Protecting the car's sensors and computer. The only way the EMP can get to them is through the windshield. A large number of makes, models, and years of cars were tested by the EMP Commission to see what effects EMPs would have on them. Surprisingly, none were permanently damaged and the ones which stalled were able to be restarted, not just the pre-1970 ones that most people will say, say will survive. So, chances are, cars will survive. What won't survive is the ability to pump gas out of underground storage tanks. Airplanes Like cars, modern airplanes are controlled by electronics even more so than cars are. So the assumption that they will fall out of the sky is unsurprising. But like cars, airplanes are nearly perfect Faraday cages, protecting the delicate electronics inside. In fact, airplanes are actually hit by lightning fairly regularly, which passes across the skin and continues down to the ground without affecting the airplane at all. New airplane designs are regularly tested for EMP shielding as part of the design process so there is a fairly good chance that they will survive. Cell phones and tablets. As I mentioned earlier, cell phones have a good chance of surviving due to their small size. The same can be said for tablets. Since neither are connected to a network of wires, there is not enough to attract the EMP, increasing their chances of survival. The exception would be those that are connected to chargers. However, the phone system and internet they depend on will be out of commission, so all they will be useful for is viewing the data they contain. I guess that, uh, just my, my side note here, um, you know, that's, I guess, could be good news for preppers because a lot of us do put things on our tablets or, uh, you know, on our electronic devices. So, uh, you know, that's, that's a possibility there. Uh, a possibility, a pro, I guess, a pro argument for, you know, having tablets and, and, and dropping preparedness content there, books and, and PDFs and, and all that kind of stuff. All right, so uh, continuing on, solar panels. Believe it or not, solar panels are largely unaffected by an EMP. The EMP will degrade their efficiency, but by less than 10%. Since solar panels are intentionally designed to provide more power than needed, the only time this difference would be noticed is when light levels are marginal for the panel's operation. 
So if you have solar panels, you'll still have some electrical power. Motor-driven devices. Simple electrical devices which don't depend on solid-state electronics will most likely survive. Remember what I said about tube-type radios earlier? They can survive because they aren't as delicate as solid-state electronics. So things like appliances will probably still work if you have the electricity to run them. The only problem might be if they have a solid-state electronic control panel, but in a pinch they can be bypassed to operate them. Old Computers in the world of computers, you don't have to be very old to be considered old. I have a few old ones sitting around here. They're old in the sense that they aren't the latest model and have been replaced by newer ones. But in reality, those older computers can do anything I need. They just aren't as fast and don't have as much memory. Here's the thing though. Most computer cases are metal, making them Faraday cages. As long as the computer isn't connected to the normal maze of wires, there's no way for the EMP to get in. So those old computers we'll all have sitting around gathering dust will probably work when the ones sitting on our desks get fried. Protecting your electronics. Even with the things that can survive an EMP, the outlook is bleak for a post-EMP world. We depend on electricity for so much in our modern society, so the losses of electricity will pretty much shut down society. However, there is something that you can do. Electronics that are shielded from the EMP will not be damaged. This shielding is done by a Faraday cage. All that means is some sort of metal container that can conduct electricity. All metals conduct electricity. The electronics inside need to be insulated from the metal, but as long as they are, they are protected from an eff any effects of the EMP. This obviously means that we can't use a Faraday cage to protect electronics that we are using, but we can and should protect spares. That way, once the attack is over, we have electronics that we can use in re rebuilding our lives. One of the best and easiest ways I've seen of making a Faraday cage is a metal garbage can. As long as you line the inside with something that is non-conductive like styrofoam, it works. Nothing else is needed. So what sorts of electronics should you put in your Faraday cage? A spare solar charger controller for your solar panels. A spare voltage inverter also for your solar panels. Spare well pump if you have a well. Any medical electronics you need. Communication gear like a ham radio. Two-way radios. A spare laptop computer or tablet loaded with useful information if you have one. And computers and electronic modules for your cars, trucks, or SUVs. This list isn't exhaustive but at least gives you an idea and add to it as you like so as to have whatever you think you need in a post-EMP world. All right, there you go. So guys, that uh, gives you another little take. I liked his, uh, his balanced approach. I mean, he talked about um, you know, there's people that you know, believe one way and then the other and you know, taking a balanced approach. Um, you know, I think recently I've talked about uh, Stephen Harris was on, um, well, actually, Jack Spirko had pulled an older version or an older um, podcast where Stephen Harris talks about EMP. And, uh, you know, he was completely on the other side of, you don't need to worry about an EMP. It's not, you know, that wouldn't happen, blah, blah, blah. And, and going into all of that. And so, you know, you hear that and you feel, you feel a lot better, right? And like, okay, there's no possible, you know, uh, EMP, you know, situation that could really ha harm us, right? Uh, you know, he, we will be all right. 
And then you have the people on the other side. It's like an EMP happens and you're going to, that's it, man. You're, you know, we're all going to be dead. And, uh, you know, the EMP commission did come out with, uh, with that statistic. I think it, what it was, what was it like 90% of the U S population would be dead within a year, uh, just because of starvation and, and all the craziness that would happen because we just don't know how to live without electricity. And so, uh, I don't know that, that commission, a lot of people looked into that one and that was, uh, uh, the reason that one didn't get a little, a, a lot more play than it did was, I, if I remember correctly, it was released the same day or the same week that the 9/11 Commission released their information, and so of course everybody wanted, you know, to, to have the 9/11 information and, and what went wrong, and you know, the biggest terrorism act on U.S. soil, and you know, that was a big deal, and that was kind of fresh on everybody's mind. And so, you know, the EMP commission wasn't given a whole lot, but it's, it's mentioned a lot in prepper circles and, and prepper articles and those kinds of things. Again, like I'm going to say, I like the balanced approach. I think that if you are concerned with, you know, preparedness, um, or, or I'm sorry, if you are concerned with EMP, then I don't think it hurts to have, uh, you know, a garbage can and, uh, you know, have some, some, uh, supplies in there. I, I think that would be a good idea if it just even, uh, helps you to calm some of your fears and, and, to, and to do that. I would think that's perfectly fine, you know, to feel that, to, to have that comfort of that. Uh, I like the idea of the cars still working because that uh, that's a game changer, you know. And again, we always talk about making sure that you have at least half a tank of gas in your vehicle. That's important, uh, you know, because if you needed to, let's say, bug out, uh, if there was an, e, you know, an EMP did hit, and people still have their cars, there might not be as much panic going on. Uh, so if you had to get out, you could get out. Um, the crazy thing would be is like if you tried to get out of the city and it was blocked, all the roads were blocked, then you would run out of gas really quick and then you'd be stuck, right? So, uh, you know, all those kinds of things. A lot to think about there, you know, and uh, you know, what would you do? So a lot of people think that EMPs, uh, like I said, so it might be one of those things that you might want to, uh, to war game a little bit. Like, so if you, if you ever thought that you were going to bug out, uh, you know, by car, but then if an EMP hit, I'm like, okay, no, I know that I'm not going to be able to bug out by car because my car is not going to, or my vehicle is not going to work. So I'm stuck here. Well, now if you did have your car, but everything else, the electric grid was, was gone and you did have a vehicle, you, would you still bug out? Right. And I don't know if that might be something that you would war game. And what would that look like? You know, would the would the freeways be congested and everybody trying to get out of the cities? I uh, don't know about that one. But anyway, that's over at twowayradiotalk.com. Uh, I suspect you'll see more articles on Prepper website and also uh, me reading on the podcast uh, articles, you know, coming from them. Uh, go check out their website if you've never seen it before. Uh, they do preparedness, but they also do, uh, you know, stuff on radios and, and communication and things like that. So, uh, you know, a good website if you've never hit that to go uh, explore just a little bit. All right, guys, well, that's it for episode 260. Thanks so much for hanging out with me uh, today and on this podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, I would greatly appreciate your kind reviews on iTunes. That always helps to uh, up the algorithms a little bit and get Prepper website, uh, the Prepper website podcast in front of more eyes on iTunes. And so I greatly appreciate that. 
if uh, if you would like to share this episode out, you might have a, a group that you're a member of, or you might uh, have some friends that are, would be interested in this EMP uh, podcast. Uh, feel free to come over to episode 260, and we make it very easy for you to share it out uh, on social media. And then uh, if you haven't uh, connected with me on social media, I'd love to be able to connect with you on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and especially our Facebook group. Uh, you can do a, a quick uh, link over to that to that Facebook group from the prepperwebsitepodcast.com, and even the show notes. I have it in the show notes, so you can qu- quickly go over there. All right, guys, with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.